Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. We continue with the theme of small college basketball with another guest, from a tremendous program at the NAIA level from U-Pike, Coach Ty Compton entering his second season. Ready to get into it and hear a little bit more about his program, his coaching path, and what separates a player at the NAIA level from maybe some other play, uh, levels. So, Coach, thanks for joining. No, absolutely, Dan. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, very thankful for you to have me on today. Well, as we continue this theme of of smaller schools uh, at the college level that we want to shine a little bit of a light on. I, I really, I don't necessarily like that connotation of smaller schools. Unfortunately, most people think of division one and then everything else, but there goes a lot more into being a great program at any of those levels than most people would realize. Share us with us a little bit about your school, your league and the uniqueness of being an NAI school in Kentucky, where there's some great tradition at the Division One level of Kentucky, but as we spoke off camera before we started to record, there are a lot of really good NAIA programs in your neck of the woods. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and being here at UPike, we have our own set of challenges and, and uniqueness. You know, we're located in the Appalachian Mountains. We're deep uh, in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains, and um, you know, we're we're a unique landscape for a lot of people, even within the state of Kentucky. You know, this than the majority uh, of Kentucky. So um, NAI is very well known in our area. We have several teams within our Mid-South Conference that are in the state of Kentucky. Uh, our conference has proven year in, year out for a long time now that we're one of the stronger divisions, stronger conferences in our division. Um, the reigning national champion is from our conference. Um, so we're able to get some traction within the state, within the region, uh, with kids and coaches and, and that kind of thing, just because of the knowledge of the level of play. Uh, they've been able to come out, they've been able to see it for themselves, see it with their own set of eyes, and, uh, you know, really have a, a good respect level for uh, what we put into a day-to-day -day basis, what we can offer uh, scholarship-wise, what we can offer in terms of total experience. So, um, you know, NAI is definitely more popular in our area than some of the places in the country, and, and we're thankful for that. We're blessed to be right here in the middle of where, where NAI is important. Because there's such a strong presence of NAIA basketball in your area, I would imagine that you guys have the ability to recruit a higher level player than maybe what some people think would be an NAIA player. Uh, tell us a little bit about your evaluation and recruiting process and, and the things that are important to you as a head coach. Yeah, sure. You know, we, we really take a We do a lot of you know, I guess you would, what would you would call tweener uh, high school recruits in terms of kids that probably have some division one interest, whether it be low major, mid major interest, and maybe haven't gotten that offer yet. 
Uh, we do a ton of that recruiting and we try to chase guys that we think can come in and have an immediate impact. You know, at our level for years, I think uh, the the top level teams at the NAI have really been able to build teams year to year versus, uh, you know, over the course of time, especially in our league. And that's something that I think you're seeing more uh, commonly at all levels now with the transfer portal and, and uh, transfers being what they are now. But, you know, that's kind of the approach that we've always had here. It's just, you know, what can we do to find guys to come in and impact our group next year? You know, how can we be our best next year? And, and we tell people all the time, you know, we, we're not out looking for, one particular kind of kid or it doesn't have to all be high school doesn't have to all be transfer uh heavy we just want to find kids that can impact winning and, and can come in and, and have an immediate impact for us and we'll take you from wherever you're at if, if that's the case but uh, our brand is certainly has a good national reach uh you know coach wells uh, the athletic director here and my boss for the first 12 years of me being here as an assistant uh really really worked hard and did a great job of building our brand to what it is now so it's it's our job to to kind of carry that on and, and continue down the path that he led us down and, and, you know, try to keep the thing going here. I look at your coaching bio and your path and a lot of people might say it's unique, but I think it's refreshing because you started as a student assistant at UPike, you become a grad assistant, you become an assistant coach. Now you're the head coach heading into year two. I would imagine UPike is a special place for you and your family. Um, and, and I love the fact that you haven't, Maybe you have, but it doesn't look like you have lurked for other opportunities. What are the big things for you that you Pike has allowed you to grow as a coach into being the head coach? Yeah, you know, working for the same head coach here for so long, I, I couldn't have asked for a better mentor and better boss. Coach Wells, Kelly Wells, was uh, he's a legendary coach at our level, a legendary coach within our state. I couldn't have asked for a better person to kind of take me under his wing and show me the ropes and to show up every day to work for. Uh, you, you know, Pikeville and U-Pike is a special place for me. It's where I met my wife. Uh, it's an hour or so from my hometown. Uh, my wife's family uh, lives here still. It's a, a couple of hours away from where my parents live now. So uh, it, it's it's really kind of the center of everything that I have going on professionally and personally. Um, you know, it, it's we're, we're able, my wife has a great job here. We're able to live comfortably. We, we have uh, a great situation here living wise. So you know, every time that there was an opportunity or maybe it came a time in my career where maybe I should be looking for a promotion or, you know, just looking to kind of take another rung up the ladder, I was able to find that opportunity here, you know, whether it be a, a promotion within the program or my wife getting another setup or us just finding a better living situation, whatever that looked like, we were able to do that here. Uh, we I love showing up to work every day. I love the people that I work around, the people that I've worked for and with along the way. Uh, and really, you know, there's, there's been really no reason to to jump around. You know, I know that's the norm in our profession and, uh, you know, kind of what's expected. And it's also kind of what I expected getting getting into the profession early on as well. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't change my path for anything in the world. Uh, you know, part of the platform uh, that I used in terms of trying to get this job and, and you know, being able to take over for Coach Wells was just that, you know, nobody knows Pikeville more than I know Pikeville, you know, from every aspect of our program to on campus to the community. Uh, you know, I've put a lot of time and a lot of sweat equity into trying to build those relationships and understanding what works and what doesn't work here. And, um, you know, that's an advantage that I've tried to use and hopefully something that we can continue using along the way. But, uh, you know, you know, Pikeville definitely has a special place in my heart and uh, my family's heart and, and really it's just a, a great place to be that we've had no no real itch, no real desire to, to look elsewhere. We've had everything that we need here. 
That's awesome. And it's so refreshing to hear because as you kind of touched on, so many coaches in the college business at, at whatever level are always looking for the next opportunity as opposed to being great at the role that you're in. If you weren't great at the role that you've been in at previous positions at UPike, you now wouldn't become the head coach heading into their second year. You took over the job in some interesting circumstances. Tell us about uh, when you got the the role of head coach, because that was right around the time that COVID was literally shutting everything down across the country. So you become a head coach and you have to implement your philosophy, not knowing what's going on throughout the world about college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, you work for so long thinking that you're preparing for a certain kind of opportunity and all of a sudden that opportunity does a 180 and doesn't look anything like what you've been preparing for. And um, it was, it was two and a half, three weeks, maybe after I was named the head coach, when we all kind of went in the shutdown and, and everyone went online and um, we ended up having to fill 12 new spots. We, we brought in 12 guys that first year. So from the time we uh, went into quarantine to the time we came back to campus in the fall. We had brought 12 new players in. We we didn't spend any money. Um, you know, we were doing it off film. Um, so it, there was there was a uh, there was a, a big responsibility and a big challenge in that, and, and making sure that we got what we needed, and really figuring out what it is that we did need. You know, we we didn't know uh, with quarantines and with with exposure and and shutdowns, we didn't really know what to expect at all in, in terms of what our campus was going to be able to provide and and what we were going to be able to kind of steer clear from and what would be more difficult for us when we got here. But um, we've all had challenges. We all face different circumstances over the last couple of years, and uh, ours are certainly not unique just to us. But, uh, again, I, I don't know if it's been a positive or a negative for my, uh, for my career up to this point of not knowing what it was like before as a head coach and only knowing the way that we've been operating for the last year and a half or two years uh, to where I didn't have to make – huge changes. I just kind of had to figure out how to start correctly. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've tried to use that to our benefit, just the, the, you know, the, the recognizing of that we're not, we're not the only ones struggling. We're just trying to figure out what, what we need to do to be more successful here than, than everyone else, wherever they're at. Um, and, you know, taking over for coach Wells here, uh, all-time wins leader at our institution, all-time wins leader at our university, uh, top 20 all-time wins leader, or, or was an active top 20, uh, all-time wins leader when he retired uh, from the coaching side of things. You know, he, he's looked at in this area uh, as a legend and, and you know, stepping into a job where uh, you've been alongside of him for, for a, most of all of our major accomplishments throughout the years as a program, uh, but then trying to take over and, and try not to let the, the uh, job of, of replacing him or following him kind of overwhelm you along with the new challenges with COVID. Uh, that was a struggle for me early on as a, as a first-time head coach. Just, you know, how do I live up to what I feel like the expectation is of everyone else? How do I feel, uh, you know, how do I live up to my own expectation? How am I making sure that I'm giving our guys uh, what they need to be successful during the tough COVID times? Uh, it, it was tough. It was challenging. But, uh, you know, we, we went 12-12. and 12. We, we had five games in the conference where we lost by five points or less. You know, I, we talk about all the time with our guys. I had a lot to learn. They had a lot to learn with us. We had so many new faces. Uh, we were shut down from the time practice, official practice started to the time we went home for Christmas break. We either had groups of three or less or had shut down 40 days. Uh, and that was that was kind of my initiation to – of my very first preseason and my very first start of a season, 
uh, as a head coach. So just trying to figure out how to navigate that, trying to, to remember to control the controllables and not let the uncontrollable just dictate your mood, dictate your, your avenue every day. Uh, that was that was hard and still is hard, but I think we're doing a much better job with that now. What a first year to take over um, for any coach coming off of COVID or being in a COVID uh, impacted season. Uh, you, you mentioned having your full squad very rarely at the early part of the season. In that early part of the year, I'm sure for you as a first time head coach, having been under Coach Wells for so long, there are things that you wanted to test and implement to see if they fit your eye as a head coach. But that must have been a struggle because you couldn't fully try them out in practice and see if your personnel fit. How did you build your philosophy year one, taking what you have learned under Coach Wells, but probably trying to tinker a little bit and figure out what worked for you and your team last year? Sure. There was a lot of continuity that we wanted to carry over, especially off the floor. I think the processes and procedures that we had academically, uh, we had seven you know, what NAI considers academic All-American scholar athletes. We had seven of those guys on this past year's team. Um, over a 3.0 GPA, we were a scholar team at our level as well. So the procedures that we had off the floor were, were great. We just tried to continue those on the floor. Uh, there was some schematic differences that I, I hope to implement versus what we did with Coach Wells. And um, it, it was hard. Not only not only did we not have enough time for me to implement the changes, but we didn't have anyone coming back. We had two guys basically um, that were scholarship guys coming back uh, that, you know, even with continuity, no one would have known what we were doing. Um, so just just trying to, to be simple, as simple as we possibly can, uh, trying to, uh, you know, do a lot of whole part whole, I guess, uh, you know, most coaches would say, just trying to show them as much as we can early in case and for fear of maybe being shut down again for 10 days, 14 days, 21 days, whatever that looked like at that time, just making sure that they understood the, the grand scheme of what we were trying to get across and, and then worrying about, you know, are we going to have enough time to really break it down and build it as we go into the sections that we need to build it into uh, versus taking the old school approach of, you know, we're going to do a lot of drill work. We're going to try to build it up and build good habits, good positioning, and then put the, you know, put the final piece together. You know, there was a chance that we, we spend two weeks on, on positioning and building those habits. And then all of a sudden we're gone for two weeks and they don't, they still don't know what the whole piece looks like. So uh, just trying to have to flip our mind around and just, and just, uh, you know, not wing it, but just, you know, try to hope and pray that, that we get to the point that we need, we get enough consecutive days of work that we need uh, and, and can find a way to, to be successful that way. It was challenging, but again, everyone had those challenges. And luckily uh, after the new year, it, it kind of, kind of started going our direction a little bit. We were able to get some more continuity that we had hoped to have early. Uh, and, and we were able to, to kind of build on some things. And we used the postseason. The spring was big for us this year. We have five guys back that played major minutes and had a major impact last year. Uh, and the continuity that we were able to build in the spring, heading into the summer and the fall uh, was huge for us. Well, I'm from the West Coast and NAIA programs aren't as – readily available to find as there is in different pockets of the country, Kentucky being a hotbed for NAI hoops. I know in years past, it's been two different levels, which has created a lot of confusion unless you're really embedded in the NAI world. It's now a one level uh, across all of NAI. Do you think that's been helpful for you in recruiting? And then what has the, the experience been like for, for you guys with that? 
a positive change. I think it's been really good. Uh, I think it's brought more attention to our level just because now you're not having to explain the difference in one and two and 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 that kind of thing where a lot of people kind of lumped it all together anyway but there were some scholarship differences there were some uh some you know institutional commitment differences in both of those things uh, but you know the competitiveness side of that has changed a lot you know it changed the format of the national tournament it changed the format of qualifying for the national tournament. Uh, you know, we, we instituted RPI, strength of schedule, those kinds of things. So, you know, in, in the old days, a win was a win, a loss was a loss. You know, you tried your best to kind of factor in as, as your raters for your conference and, and a national rating committee. You know, you tried to factor in strength of schedule kind of unofficially the best you could, but really there, there was no real way of measuring it. You know, it's just tough for uh, the raider for our league in the mid maybe of the Frontier League in Montana and and – you don't get to see you don't get to see as many live games uh, as you would like to at our level. So uh, it's it's you know put some some things in place to where you know it's it's causing it's forcing people to play more competitive teams, more competitive non-conference schedules. Um, you know, win that you have, where you win, where you lose on the road or at home. So um, you know it, it's been a positive change in my mind. It's been a positive change in my eyes. Made it much more competitive. Uh, and again, you know, it, it, you know, when you're, when you're competing for a, a 32 team tournament and maybe you have, you know, a hundred teams at your level, it's still certainly an amazing accomplishment, but at the same time, uh, now competing for a 64 team tournament, when we've got, you know, 275 or 300 teams, whatever it is competing in men's basketball, uh, it just kind of adds a little bit of a, more of a, uh, I guess, more traditional vibe, just, you know, what you see in March Madness and everybody competing for one tournament, uh, it eliminates a lot of the doubt, eliminates a lot of the confusion, and uh, kind of gives everybody the same platform now to compete. Uh, no more wondering if, if Division One's better, Division Two's better, what the top teams in both of those areas look like. Uh, there's not much separation in those in those teams anyway, and I, I think that was obvious in the last year with the success of of the merger and teams from both levels being successful. But our level, uh, our level certainly is uh, big in this area, big in this region. Uh, we've had. Uh, several national champions over the last decade, uh, several more in the finals over the last decade, several national players of the year over the last decade come from our, our conference. Um, so it's it's a gauntlet to get through. I mean, I you know, we've had years where five or six teams out of eight have made the, the national tournament before. Uh, and it's not a stretch to think that, you know, seven, eight, nine teams out of our league could potentially make a national tournament and win a game. It's just, you know, at our level, it's really tough to get that amount of teams now with the merger into the national tournament. Well, with your league being traditionally one of the powers at, at that level, you've got to be very careful with your evaluating and your recruiting. Um, how do you go about your process of finding your players? Because uh, when I talk to coaches amongst many different levels, I love hearing their approach to AAU versus high school. Many times AAU is where they want to evaluate but then the high school coach is who they want to recruit through because they know the, the, the kid on more of a personal level. What's your personal, personal philosophy and how do you approach it? Yeah. You know, we do a ton of transfer recruiting here just because of our landscape and kind of where we're located, but we do a lot of evaluating uh, elsewhere. And, you know, I do think AAU makes it easier to evaluate in terms of just being able to evaluate multiple kids and, and, you know, strength in numbers, kind of casting a large net kind of thing in one place, you're able to see a lot of talent. Uh, 
you know, but the reality is as good of a job as a lot of high school or a lot of AAU coaches do, they're just not with those kids a long time. So they're able to build their relationship up. They're able to get them exposure. Uh, they're able to pick up on tendencies. They're able to, to you know, you, you kind of see how the kid can interact with with some chaos and, and maybe with, uh, you know, some, some spur of the moment sets getting thrown in on a Friday night for a Saturday game. Like how do they respond to some of those things? I think AAU is really good in those areas. Um, those coaches are unbelievably helpful for us in the area as well. But like you said, you know, you, you get a kid in a high school setting, uh, you, you learn a little bit more about what structure does for that for that kid. You know, how does how does the daily regimen that, that he's put into uh, of weights, of practice, of school, uh, you know, how does that affect his performance? And, uh, you know, I think you get a, a good understanding from the high school coaches at that level of, you know, what you know, what makes this kid go, what really holds this kid back and. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a – I think you learn a lot from both. I think both are required. I think both are, are necessary. I think both are beneficial. And I think you got to find a way to have a great relationship both ways. We like to see kids in both settings. Uh, but obviously, you know, they're with their high schools or with their high school coaches for a longer period of time than they're with their AAU coaches. So now, you know, we've got kids coming to campus, you know, two or three different days a week at this point. Most of the time that is with their high school coach or with a parent or maybe the high school coach brings him and a, and a teammate or two up. Uh, so, you know, I think building relationship with both are important. I think evaluation is easier with AAU. I do think that high school coaches tend to have a, an easier job of getting to know the kid in, in a daily, you know, day-to-day kind of environment. Um, but both are important. Both are extremely important. Well, Coach, I really appreciate the time. I, I love – hearing about different levels and and how their programs come together, how the coaches have gotten to be in the head coach position uh, and hear about their growth. I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck. And hopefully if it's not this year, hopefully in the near future, you guys are finishing your season off in Kansas city at the NAI national tournament. So thanks again for joining coach. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.